We are so honored that you chose to join us for this week's message here at Hope Church in Kalispell, Montana. It is our desire that you will be encouraged and challenged in your walk with Jesus. Be blessed as you join us for this week's message. Good morning, Hope Church. It's so good to be back with you. I'm alive, and I beat the coronavirus for the second time. Amen. <laughs> I thank you for your prayers, and uh, I thought our elders did such a great job last week, didn't they? Can we give it up for our amazing elder team? You guys are such a gift to this church. You have no idea just what a gift our elder team is to this church, and I just, I just loved it. I, I was home um, recovering, just laying down, watched both services, and fully enjoyed both of them and just loved listening, amazing worship and listening to each of them share out of their heart how the Holy Spirit has helped them in their everyday life. It was just, it was just so amazing. Also, on that note, I want to give a shout out to our pro team. Can you give it up for our pro team? Our pro team is our production team. They're the people that probably every once in a while might annoy you because they're running around with a camera. But let me tell you something. They have a purpose and what they're doing is so significant. They are being used by God to take what God is doing here and use it to reach people. And last week, I got to be the recipient of that. It was just so cool to be able to be at home and I actually experienced what God was doing here in the room. And, and I want you to know something about our pro team. That's our prayer for our pro team. We pray that the whole reason we do that, we do the cameras, we do all of it, is so that people that aren't here with us, they can actually experience God and know God and hear about his word and get to worship with us. And, and I got to do that last week and it was amazing. In fact, I told my wife, she came home and I said, man, I, I actually felt the presence of God just watching our service online. And I'll tell you what, that made me so happy as the pastor of this church because that's what it's all about. It's all about connecting to the real living God. And so we're in this message series called The Helper. And part of my prayer for you as your pastor is that through this message series, for a lot of us, I know this is really new to you. This is new teaching, new understanding, and some of you, you're not sure about this and it's a little uncomfortable. But let me just tell you that my biggest prayer is that you would connect to the person of the Holy Spirit. When you get connected to the person of the Holy Spirit, you get to experience the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, the power and the presence of God, and it's amazing. And so that's my prayer for you as we've been going through these 21 days of prayer and fasting. And by the way, some of you are looking very svelte and, uh, and you look skinny. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you look skinny. And we don't do it for that reason, but it's a nice byproduct, isn't it? And so I'm, I'm, you know, the thing I enjoy most about our time of prayer and fasting is just that I could feel the closeness of God as we, we intentionally remove some things out of our life and draw close to him. And we uh, intentionally create space and opportunity for you as a church, just like we're doing with these 21 days of prayer and fasting. We have a devotional guide. If you haven't gotten one of those yet, I highly recommend it. Go through it together. But this coming Thursday night, I want to let you know I think is a big deal. I think it's a night where we have intentionally set aside, we call it Empower Night, and it's a night where we're gonna gather from 6.30 to, I don't even know if I wanna put in a time limit on it, um, but because really the intention is to just gather together and to worship and to go after God, 
And for those of you through this message series and our services are really getting stirred to want to know the Holy Spirit for yourself, to, to encounter the person of the Holy Spirit, to be filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. And if you didn't see the very first message in this message series, I just want to encourage you to go back and, and watch that because it kind of set up the whole thing and it kind of set up this Empower Night because we're going to gather together and, and we don't have an agenda. We're just... We're just going after God together, and we've got our prayer team and, and our elders and our pastoral team and ministry teams all fired up, all ready to go for you to come that night and to worship with us. And if God is stirring in you this desire that you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, then this is a night that we have set aside specifically for that purpose. So we're going to run after God together. We're going to pray for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Some of you need to have a refilling of that Holy Spirit. Some of you need a fresh touch from God. Some of you need physical healing. Some of you, you need relational healing. You need emotional healing. And we're going to have our prayer team. We're going to pray for all of it that night. It's going to be amazing. Pray into it. Now, if you haven't fasted through this and you plan on coming to that night, here's something that I would encourage you to do. I would encourage you to at least fast on that day for 24 hours leading up to that night because there's something that happens when we intentionally say, God, you are the most important thing in my life. You're more important than food. You're more important than social media. You're more important than Netflix uh, or whatever. And I am so desperate, just like we sang earlier, that I need you to touch me. I want you to touch me. I need your power and presence more in my life. And so you come hungry, come thirsty, and come ready. It's going to be amazing. Amen? Last thing I'll say before I get in the message is the lifeblood of this church, just like Pastor David was sharing, is our connect groups. Like, I love doing this. I could do this every day. I love it. But let me tell you, there's something so special about when you gather together with a small group of other believers like you who are trying to stumble through this thing called Christianity and try to follow Jesus and, and you run with people that want to run after God with you. You need that in your life. I would say this is why we have the church. And, and coming to church is wonderful, but being in relationship with other believers who know you and you know them is absolutely vital and key to your spiritual growth in life. Amen? And so as we're launching our Connect Groups for the winter semester, I just want to say get in a group. Get in a group. It is vital for your spiritual life and growth. All right. How many of you are ready for the word this morning? Oh my goodness, you need to pray for your pastor because um, I've got so much I need to share with you, impart to you this morning, and I've got so little time to do it, and, um, and so I'm going to be challenged in it, but turn with me, if you will, to uh, the book of Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, we're going to begin there, I'm going to read to you, um, I think the first 12 verses of Acts chapter 3, and then we're going to jump to Acts chapter 4, and we're going to take this story of what God begins to do in the early church and in the life of believers after the day of Pentecost is come in Acts chapter 2, where God pours out his spirit on his people, baptizing them in that spirit, and now enabling them, giving them not only the gift of the Holy Spirit, but giving them gifts that they would need to use to do what God called them to do and to be who God called them to be. And so here, I want to share this amazing story with you in Acts chapter 3. It goes like this. One day, Peter and John were getting up to the temple, going to the temple at the time of prayer, all at 3 in the afternoon. 
Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from the uh, to beg, sorry, to beg from them, giving into going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, "Look at us." So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver, and this is one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He began jumping to his feet, began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they, were, um, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. Could you imagine if people started running to the church? <laughs> and when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? What happened? Why do you stare at us and it is by our own power or godliness that we made this man walk? And now we're going to jump to Acts chapter 4. Now these people, a crowd begins to gather around, and Peter begins to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that they can be saved because of what Jesus did on the cross. And now we pick up in chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people and preaching. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus. Next page. Proclaiming in Jesus. Whoops, one too many. Proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. And they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to be about 5,000. Now keep in mind, this happened within the course of a couple of days. This is quite a week of the church. And the next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Ananias the high priest was there. And so uh, Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. Listen to what they questioned them. By what power or what name did you do this? Now, when they ask what name, um, name carried significance. Name carried authority. A name carried power. So when uh, Roman guards would come to Caesar, they said, I come in the name of Caesar, and people would know, oh, you got the power. So they want to know by what power or by what name or by what authority are you doing preaching, healing, and doing the things that you're doing. And so he goes on to say, uh, dang, I lost my place again. Uh, verse 8, then Peter, then Peter, listen to what he said, filled with 
the Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. I love the boldness and the courage. Listen, this is the same man who denied Jesus three times. Listen to the boldness in his voice and in his words. He says, know this. He says, jeez, uh, I keep losing my place. He says, then, oh man. He says, the kindness, then know this, you and the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, by whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven of mankind to which mankind must be saved. And now here's one of my another favorite verses in the Bible. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And, but since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing that they could say. Since they saw the man who was healed standing there with them, there was nothing that you could, they could say. Somebody say, proof is in the power. Proof is in the power. The title of my message to you this morning is Power for a Purpose. Power for a Purpose. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for this time that we have together. God, I give you this microphone. I give you my words, and I ask that you would anoint me to preach what you put on my heart to share with your people today. God, let it encourage them. Let it um, motivate them. Let it convict them. Let it change them, God. I pray, Father God, for all of us today that we would fall more in love with you and the person of the Holy Spirit, that we would realize more of his redemptive help in our life, to know him more, to follow him more, to be able to be used by him to change the world. God, thank you for the call that you have on us individually and corporately as your church. Help us today, Holy Spirit. We give you this time, we give you uh, this service, and ask that you move powerfully in Jesus' name. Now, church, would you do me a favor? Would you just pray with me for our nation just for about 30 seconds? I just have a conviction, as I've shared with you, to pray for our nation. God, we ask that you would move in this great nation. God, that you would return us back to the place where we put in God we trust, where we sovereignly and solemnly seek you. God, we ask that you would forgive us for turning away from you. And we repent on behalf of our nation. And we ask that you hear from heaven, that you forgive us and heal our land. God, we pray for revival to sweep across this great nation. God, we pray for revival in Washington, D.C. I pray that you would turn the hearts back um, to you, God, that we would uh, go back to our roots as a nation, that we were founded in God we trust and on your word. And so, God, I pray that revival would sweep across this nation once again. And God, why not here? Why not us? Why not now? Why not in little Kalispell, Montana, in Hope Church? God, that you would sweep over this valley and light this state on fire with your presence and with your power in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen. How many of you like to shovel? 
Why are you laughing? <laughs> I, some, some of you raised your hand. Y'all are weird. If you like to shovel, y'all are weird. You're kind of like people who like to run. Y'all are weird. I don't run unless I'm being chased by a bear in Glacier National Park or the hot sign is on a Krispy Kreme. That's when I run. Other than that, man, I don't like that. That sounds pretty good right now in 21 days of prayer and fasting. Some hot Krispy Kreme. Y'all get that out of your mind in Jesus' name. We got stuff we got to talk about. Power for purpose. I don't like shoveling. I don't like it. Um, you know, the biggest reason why it isn't, you know, that it's tiring, because it is, especially when you get wet snow like what we just had. Um, but it, I feel like it's a waste of my time. Like, I feel like I had a clear driveway. I could just get on my car, turn the car on, and leave. But now I got to deal with this white stuff that's kind of in the way, kind of messes things up. And so, you know, it, it wasn't there. Now it's there. And now I got to move it out of the way just to do the things that I normally would do. And that takes time. And I don't like wasting time. And so, you know, I remember how many of you remember, for those of you who are new to us in the valley here, Welcome to Montana. Uh, a couple of years ago, we had like two winters in a row where we just got dumped on with snow. Y'all remember that? There was like blizzards and uh, we, like, I never had to cancel church before, but a couple of Februarys ago, we had to cancel almost twice, two Sundays back to back because we just had this terrible blizzard. We got a ton of snow. And then the very next week, we got dumped on a ton of snow again. And that winter, it was brutal, y'all. And I remember shoveling so it felt like literally every day I was shoveling snow and and I got actually I brought my my trusty this is my old faithful snow shovel right here it's been with me a little while it's got some wear and tear on it as you can see and uh me and the shovel we've been through some things together and I hate shoveling and especially about you know mid-February man you just like under my breath I'm I'm trying not to cuss, trying to keep my, but I'm like, this white stuff, you know, I just, I, I don't like it, and it's a waste of my time, and I come in, you know, all worn out, tired, and sweating, and um, that next Christmas, my beautiful, wonderful, angelic wife gave me the best gift a man could receive. She gave me the beautiful gift of a snowblower. <laughs> How many are grateful that we live in the 21st century and we have power tools? Come on, somebody. But, um, you know, one of the things that um, I loved, I love that she gave me that gift and it was this red, beautiful, shiny, new power tool and I'd never had one before, so I was pretty stoked about it. And wouldn't you know, that winter, we hardly got any snow. And, and, but when it did snow, it didn't snow a whole lot. So what I found myself doing is I found myself going back to Old Faithful and what was familiar and what I was used to. And I got my shovel out and I shoveled the driveway. And I did it several times. And I remember coming in and my wife looked at me. She's like, what is the matter with you? She's like, I gave you that gift for a purpose. I gave that gift to you for a reason for you to use it. And she said, and besides, you got five kids. And where are they? And I'm like, yeah, no joke. Where are they? It seems like when it's time to shovel the driveway, they all disappear. Well, Dad, I got some homework to do. I got to study for a final. And so here I was just working away, shoveling away and sweating away when I had this gift that was unopened, unused, and could do things for me that I couldn't do in my own strength and ability. I think that's a lot like the way a lot of us approach the Christian life. 
A lot of us are tired. We're worn out. We're trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to be holy. We're trying to uh, do the things that God has called us to do. But if we're going to be honest with each other, a lot of the time it feels menial. It feels like a lot like work. It's not fun. We're like striving. We're working. It's kind of like shoveling and shoveling and shoveling. And, and, and too many of us, we're bored. Like shoveling is boring. And for a lot of us, the Christian life has become stale, stagnant. We're stuck. It's become lifeless and boring and something that we're just trying to do out of our own strength. And yet Jesus promised us, not just the disciples. So you have to understand this, that when we read the account of, the, of this story, this wasn't meant to be relegated to a, a season or time in the life of the Bible, but it was meant to open our eyes and open our spirits to receive the same gift and to receive the same help that they had, that they, God was using them to change the world. And as it would say in Acts chapter 19, that these were the men that turned the world upside down because the power and the presence of God filled them and began to give them gifts, spiritual gifts. I love that in this story, and really this is the first story since the time in the upper room, the place where the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2, the promise came that Jesus promised them, and it filled them. And, and, and you know the story where they, they started speaking in other languages, and they were filled with this power and presence. And here, here were average, ordinary people holed up in this upper room because they were afraid of their life. And yet Jesus said, hey, stay there. And they didn't know if they were going to live or die. And Jesus had been with them doing miracles and, and teaching them. And now he was gone. And he promised them that the, he would give them this gift, this helper, the Holy Spirit. And, and he would help them to do the very things that God and Jesus told them that he needed them to do. He gave them this commission the same commission that you and I have, Matthew uh, chapter 28, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I've taught you. And, and here were a small group of guys that had been ostracized. They'd been thrown out of the temple. They thought they were going to get killed like Jesus, and they probably would have. And yet they had this task that was way too big for them. Can I tell you something? That, that if God isn't speaking dreams, visions, giving you um, ideas that he, he wants to do something so big in your life that it's way bigger than you can do, then I would question, are you really getting God dreams? Do you really have a, a vision for what God wants to do in and through your life? Or are we just living day to day like shoveling snow, going through the motions, getting stuff out of the way, working hard, trying to follow Jesus? It isn't fun. I'm bored. I'm stuck. And yet I know God has called me, but I need something in my life to be who God has called me to be and to do what God has called me to do. And so I love that that Peter and John, they experienced this power. And not only when the Holy Spirit came, he also came and he gave some gifts. And the immediate gift was this, this gift of tongues that now they're speaking a, a different language. They don't even know what they're saying, but they're speaking in this language and they go out into the streets. Do you understand that what God does here can't stay here? Like the purpose, part of the purpose of the power is that God would empower you, but you got to take it out into your world. You got to take it out into the streets. It was never meant to stay here. I love that Peter and John, you know, sometimes we love the church so much that we want to have our own little Holy Spirit party. 
Like, we want to have a good time in here, and we do. We want to celebrate the goodness of God. But sometimes, I think in, in charismatic Pentecostal circles, we can find ourselves in this place where we think it, be, it becomes all about us. Like, I want to get my Holy Spirit goosebumps when I'm praising and worshiping, and I want, I want to be filled with God's power and presence uh, for my personal life and, and for God to fulfill the dreams in my heart, and it could become all about us. I love that they went outside the upper room into the streets. They took it to a public place, and God started using the gift that he deposited in them to, for other people to get other people's attention because other people were gathered and, and they were from other nations and they start hearing them speak in other languages and it was ministering to them. And they were astonished and amazed. And, and because of it, it got their attention and Peter was able to preach to them. And on that day, thousands of people came to faith in Christ. In one moment, thousands. Talk about a revival. What, what, they were, what they were trying to do in their own strength before, now all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit and the power was flowing through them and out of them and to people, and they were gifted to be used by God. Power for a purpose. And so now, as we read in chapter 3, Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are going to the place of prayer. They're going to church. And on their way to church, there's this man that is begging for help. He's paralyzed. He can't walk. And he's just looking for a physical handout. He's looking for some money. And, and this, is, this is part of our problem is in the church, we can't just think of helping people monetarily. We can't just think about helping people, which we should for the day. But I love what Peter and John said. Silver and gold, I don't have. In other words, I can't help you monetarily, but what I do have, what I received from God the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the presence of God, I now give to you. And he grabs him by the hand and he helps him to his feet. And he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, com command you, get up and walk. And this man, all of a sudden, who was weak before, now gets strengthened in his ankles and he's able to get up and walk. And, and we could, what a miracle this is, right? Physically, but I think it's even a, a spiritual picture of that there is a world, a sea of people outside these doors that are broken, that are weak, that they don't know how to walk in this life and they don't know how to follow Jesus and, and, and God is counting on you and me to be this conduit of the power and presence of God to the people that are hurting and broken and lost around us. So here's something that we need to understand this morning, that yes, God gives us this gift of the Holy Spirit to help us. And how does he do that? He gives us this gift and he gets, we, we get infilled with this power and presence so that we can love God, so that we can live a holy life, so that we can have faith. You know, the helper, he, he comforts us and and he counsels us and he, he leads us into truth and he gives us wisdom for our own personal, like, following Jesus. Yes, he does that, no doubt. But here's what I want to hone in on this morning and for us to understand that we are helped to be a helper. We are helped by the Holy Spirit to be a helper to other people. See, what, what they experienced in the upper room, now they're reaching out a hand to this man and they're pulling him up into 
and helping him up into what they've received. They didn't just let it stop with them. They didn't hang out and have a Holy Spirit party in the upper room. They took it out to the streets. And now because of their willingness to be used with the gifts that God has placed in them and given them, now there's this explosion of the gospel and people getting radically saved, radically touched by God radically helped by the Holy Spirit to then go and do the same. So we need to understand God never gives us anything just for ourselves. In fact, um, we're supposed to be a river, a conduit of the power and presence of God that when he pours into us, it doesn't stop with us, that we allow him to be a river of life through us to other people and to those, of, those around us. The difference is for many of us, this is why we're dry. This is why we feel like our life, our spiritual life is lifeless because we've allowed God to pour into us, but if you don't let it flow out of you, it becomes a dead sea within you. You know what a dead sea is, right? It's a sea where there is an in, there's like a, an inward, what do you call it? Flow, inlet, thank you. There's an inlet and there's no outlet. When you put something in and it doesn't flow out, it becomes stagnant. And algae and mold and yucky things kind of grow in it and it becomes lifeless. And this is where for many of us, my prayer this morning is that part of what the Holy Spirit would do in you through this message series is awaken two things. Awaken the reality that God wants, the Holy Spirit is a person that wants to have a real relationship with you every moment, every day. The second thing is this, that through that relationship, God gives us these spiritual gifts for us to be awakened to our purpose for which God made you. Too many of us are living life as though we're existing to uh, get a paycheck at the end of the week, to punch a clock, and then you know, then do whatever we want with our lives. But you have to understand something. If you are here and you are a born-again believer in Jesus, that my Bible says that God knew you in your womb, that he called you, he's got a plan, and he's got a purpose for your life, which is greater than you could ever ask, think, or imagine. In other words, why we're so bored and why we're so stagnant is because we are not allowing the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to not only work in us, but work through you. He works in you to work through you. This is called pass-through blessing, y'all. It's all over the Bible. Look at Abraham. Look at anybody in the Bible. We are blessed to be a blessing. We're supposed to have pass-through blessing. And yet too many of us, we don't recognize or we don't even understand how God works in us and through us. And so God has given, just like he gave Peter and John, he gave them a spiritual gift. And I love how each of them had different gifts, right? Peter was the spokesman. He had the preaching gift. God gave him that gift to be bold and to preach the word in boldness. But John had this heart of compassion. I actually wonder if it wasn't John that stopped Peter. You know, I could just see Peter, bullheaded Peter, you know, just like, I'm going to church. Got my Bible, and I'm making a beeline to church. I got stuff to do, man. And I could see John being the one looking around and seeing people and his heart breaking 
for what breaks God and having the spirit of compassion that maybe he said, whoa, 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 Peter, wait, hold on a minute. What about this guy? He needs some help. But I, I, I don't know how to talk to him, but you do because you have that gift. And so you see these spiritual gifts working. In fact, Peter would later go on to write in 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you, yeah, you, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Power for a purpose. And so a lot of us in the church, we, you know, this doesn't get taught anymore. And, and, it, and it actually grieves me because sometimes I'll have people, they come to the church and they say, you know, I've never heard this before. And they naturally assume this is some weird doctrine and teaching. Listen, this is in the Bible. <laughs> like it's right here. It's the same Bible. It's the same book. I, I ask you, don't just take my word for it. During this season, read it. Read 1 Corinthians 12 through 14. Read it. Read about Acts. Ask the Holy Spirit to show you. He's the spirit of truth. Ask him to show you what's real and what's not. For me, in my house, I cannot read the accounts of this and say, these things are not for us today. I, I cannot say that. In fact, my conviction is that this is why we are not seeing an explosion in the church like they did back then of the Holy Spirit moving in power, thousands of people coming to saving grace and faith in Jesus because when the church begins to awaken, be awakened to this revolution that started back in Acts but never stopped, or at least it was in God's attention to stop it, it never ceased that God is still at work, he's still moving, and he still wants to move today, now, here, right now. And in fact, in the 1500s, there needed to be a revolution in the church, and I believe there needs to be another revolution in the church. Another reformation, if you will. When Martin Luther on Castle Church nailed the 95 Thesis to that church, being prompted by the Holy Spirit to do so, because, you know, there's sometimes when you have to just be sick and tired of not seeing God move the way you want to do, want to and you believe he, he should be. When, when you read this book and you read that, there has to be something that kind of stirs in you to say, oh my gosh, there's so much more I'm missing out on. There's so much more God wants to do and I want to be a part of it. I want to experience the adventurous life of following Jesus, getting up every day, believing there's a miracle waiting to happen right in front of me. If I will just lean in and listen to the still small voice of God and be willing to follow him wherever he leads me. And when you live surrendered like that, let me tell you, there literally will be miracles, I believe, waiting for you each and every day. Yes. Especially when you're willing to let those spiritual gifts work through you. And he nailed those 95 theses in response to what had happened, what had started as this glorious movement of the Holy Spirit that birthed the church and God was doing miracles, just like the one we read this morning. And then religion came in. And, and it became the institutionalized religion of Rome. And once that happened, things began to shift and change, and they started to ordain priests, and Catholicism was, was born. And what happened was, is they believed that this Bible was only meant for holy, special people, men and women, priests. And so instead of translating the Bible into common language where everybody could read it, they kept it 
on purpose in Latin to keep it away from the common man because they didn't believe the common man could understand it, could hear from God. And so they would actually chain the Bible to the pulpit because people would try to steal it. And talk about having a captive audience, right? So if you wanted to hear the Bible taught, you wanted to know the Bible, you wanted to know God, it forced you to go to church and hear it secondhand from a priest. And what happened was it kept everyday, average, ordinary people like you and me from knowing God, experiencing the power and presence of God in their life and being used by God for a purpose greater than themselves. And so Luther had a conviction and in one of his 95 theses, one of those theses was the priesthood of all believers. It's one of our core values here at Hope Church, if you're newer to Hope Church, that we believe that there, I believe personally, there's no difference between you and me. I am operating in the gifting and calling on my life today that God has called me with. It's the unique gift that he's, he's made me with and the call that he has on my life. But God has a unique gift and call on your life. And you were made on purpose for a purpose. And the power that God wants to give you is for a purpose. And that purpose is for him to flow through you to the people around you. And to use the spiritual gift that God has deposited and gifted to you. So let me help you with this because there's a lot of confusion around it. Y'all good? Now I'm not going to be able to get into the depth of all of the different spiritual gifts. But I want... I want to at least touch on it for you because I think it's important that you understand some of these gifts and you understand the purpose for which God was giving these gifts to the church and to people in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I, I highly recommend you read this on your own. Read it, read it every day, study it. Ask God to show you things in it. But this is what Paul was saying. He said, now about the gifts of the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. And that's exactly, now that word uninformed in the Greek, it means to be ignorant. It means that you don't understand them. And, and here's the problem in our humanity. We fear what we don't understand. What we don't understand makes us uncomfortable. And so because we don't like being uncomfortable here in America, and we've gotten so used to uh, comfort and convenience that we have lost sight that it is, it is stretching and allowing God to get us out of our comfort zone. Do you know that on the other side of comfort zone is a miracle? Because faith will stretch you. Faith is like Wimber would say, is risk. Faith is taking a risk. That means that's not comfortable. It's not comfortable to come up for prayer. It's not comfortable to be used by God in the life of somebody else where you feel like God has given you a prophetic word for somebody or he's given you a word of knowledge or he wants you to pray for somebody. Uh, you feel this stirring to pray for somebody for healing or, or God just puts somebody on your heart. It's not comfortable to go to that person and say, you know, hey, uh, <laughs> I just feel like this is something God... That's not comfortable, but it's good for you because it stretches your faith. In fact... I'll go on to say this. Your faith will not grow unless it's stretched. James said, what good is your faith? It's just head knowledge if you don't put it into work. If you don't, if you don't put it to work, if you, don't, if you don't activate it, if you don't use it. But we have to be aware that there are these spiritual gifts and we have to understand them a little bit. So he goes on in verse 2 to say this. You know that when you were pagans, in other words, when you didn't know God, some or how or other you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Now, I think this scripture is so relevant today 
Because think about this, before you were saved or people that are not saved, they don't understand any of this. It doesn't make sense to them because if you remember, it's the Holy Spirit who leads us into truth. So you actually have to be born again to actually understand the things of God because you need the Spirit of God to be able to understand them. So people that aren't in the faith, they don't get this. They don't even know why you're, they think you're wasting your time this morning. But you know what's interesting to me? They'll look for power in other places. They'll look to astrology. You know, they'll, they'll look to psychics, tarot cards. They believe in power. They believe in the supernatural. That's why I think it's so funny. Do you know that the devil is robbing the church of its power? Yeah. How's he doing it? He's doing it by trying to blind you from seeing it in scripture and to experience it. And so what he's doing is he's doing this to pastors and preachers because of fear. Fear, I'm not going to grow my church. Fear that you're going to leave and not come back today because I'm teaching this. And let me tell you, I think it's a travesty. I think that we are actually a stopgap and we are blaspheming the Holy Spirit and grieving the Holy Spirit from moving in power in our midst and in the church. And we need a reformation. Power for a purpose. So my encouragement to you is, you know, I think a lot of us, we want to believe that there's more. We want to believe that there's this power, but we're afraid. It makes us uncomfortable. And I want to say, as your pastor, I've got grace for that for you. And so do the people of this church. You're on a journey, just like I was, and just like other, other people here are with you. And so I would say, just take it one step at a time. And there'll be this moment where you'll just feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heart. Say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to jump in. I'm ready. That's why we have an empower night for you. So when you're ready, that we're, we're ready, and we're ready to pray for you because God, we're not waiting on God. God is waiting on us. And he goes on to say this about the gifts. He says, he kind of sets it up. He says, therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one could say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So he wants us to know that if people try to come at you with spiritual gifts, but they don't say Jesus is Lord, hey, don't listen to them. This, this is not, they're not operating out of the right spirit. And then he goes on to say this. There are different kinds of, uh, of gifts but the same Spirit distributes them all. There are different kinds of service, but, they're, uh, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of workings, but in all of them and everyone is the same God at work. So he's saying in all these gifts, it's the same God. So if it doesn't feel like God to you, wash out. If it doesn't operate out of the same Spirit that Jesus would or that we read about and that same heart, be careful. But now he goes on to get into some of the more specific things, but he wants to remind us what the power of the gift is for. He says now in verse 7, now to each one of you, the man, each one of you, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? The common good. I'm helped to be a helper. I've been helped with this by the Holy Spirit, but it isn't just for me. It's to go through me and for me to be a conduit to help other people. And then he goes on to talk about in verse 8 some of the specific gifts that are given to you and to me. He says, to one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. Now this gift, this gift will be used by God to help you be able to have 
supernatural wisdom, wisdom beyond your natural ability to solve problems, think about things. We need this gift to work in the church. There are things, there are, there are things that we have not tapped into. There are new ways of doing church. There are new ways to reach people that we haven't thought of that the gift of the spirit of wisdom will unlock and open up for somebody who's gifted in that way. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same spirit. Now, some of you are familiar with this, some of you not. Uh, this is called a word of knowledge. Sometimes God will, by the power of the Holy Spirit, just drop a word of knowledge into somebody's mind and their spirit and for the purpose of them sharing it with somebody else. So a word of knowledge is God will give you, through the power of the Holy Spirit, special information or understanding about a situation or a person. And so how I've seen this happen in my own life. I've had people say, hey, I feel like God is giving me a word for you and they share that word for me and it speaks right in. it's like they're you ever heard the term reading your mail it, it's like they just knew exactly what I was going through and God gave them a special word of knowledge to share with me so that it would encourage me strengthen me equip me and give me knowledge for what was ahead in verse 9 to another faith by the same spirit now this is the gift of faith you ever meet people that are just there they just have so much faith I admire those people. I'm like, man, and it's contagious. In fact, you know, sometimes I believe God gives this gift to certain people so that when we're low on faith, we can draw from their faith. Their faith strengthens my faith. I see the faith that they have to pray for somebody on the street, and I'm like, wow, that stirs up my faith. And so I love that God gives the gift of faith to, to people in this gift to just believe that God is, is, is on the move, he's doing things, and he'll give some of you, that gift. To another, gifts of healing by that same spirit. Now, this is the gift of supernatural healing where, where there has been on some people and whether you, you know, believe in uh, uh, healing evangelists. I mean, if you read the account of God moving over the history of the church, there are certain people that obviously have this gift of healing. And I believe there's some of you in this room that have this gift. And we need you to let that gift go through you and work through you because there are people that need healing. They need physical healing. We need emotional healing. Can you see this, man? We need help. And God has just given us this helper. And now to another, miraculous powers, verse 10. Now these are signs, wonders, things that like, just like that got the attention when the, the apostles came out of the upper room and they're speaking. To, miracles get the world's attention. It's like if you hear of somebody who had cancer and they're healed of it, that's a miracle, and that's going to get somebody, that'd get my attention, wouldn't it? Like, how did that happen? <laughs> like, by what power did that happen? I want to know about this. One, to miraculous powers, to another prophecy. Prophecy, you know that God can speak to you, but God also wants to speak through you. And, and prophecy is when God speaks to you concerning another or the church, and he will give you a word of encouragement. He'll give you a word of speaking something into the future of that person or the church. And if we allow the Spirit of God to speak to us and let that out, God will use that gift. And God uses that gift every single, every, every single time we gather here. 
It never ceases to amaze me. I'll, I'll meet people uh, outside of the church, and they'll, they'll say, hey, are you the pastor of Hope Church? I say, yeah, I, I went there, visited one time, and somebody came up to me, and they, they said all this stuff, and it was like, whoa, like it blew my mind. And it, like, it made my heart kind of open up to God, and that's exactly what this gift is supposed to do. To another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues. Now, the distinguishing between different spirits, sometimes you know that, that the devil doesn't like what's happening here. He doesn't even like me teaching you about this. And so sometimes he will, he will send people with different spirits into our midst to try to disrupt and lead people astray from what God is doing. And there are people that will have the spiritual gift to discern, you know what, that's not of God. You're not of God. Something is not right here. And this is of God, and God is moving, and, and God is using that person. Now, let me get you to the hot one that, oh, you know, y'all are waiting for. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues, and still the, to, some, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Now, listen, don't get weirded out by the word tongues. Some people are like, tongues, you know, that's weird. Let me tell you, tongues is just a word for native language. That, that word tongues is another word for native language. And so if I went to Africa and they were trying to communicate with me, they, they might ask me, what, what, is your, what is your tongue? And in other words, they would be asking, what's your native language? Like, what do you speak? Can you talk with me? Uh, do you only speak American or do you talk Swahili? And so that's the word tongue. So don't let the word tongues kind of throw you off because I think sometimes, you know, we get weirded out by that. And, and because of that, we just like, no, 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 I ain't doing that. That's, that's too weird, you know. I ain't doing that. Uh, I bought a Honda, should have bought a Hyundai, you know, stuff, you know, like that. And, and what does it all mean? Well, let me help you with this because I think this is where a lot of people in the church get confused through poor teaching and just ignorance or misunderstanding. And that is this. All these gifts that Paul is talking about right here, these are uh, public gifts. These are gifts that God enables us to use for the benefit of the church to build up the church and the people of God and to be a witness to people outside of the church. They're public gifts. So this instance where Paul is talking about the gift of tongues, gift of tongues, and that's why he tagged on the interpretation of tongues is when we're gathered like this, the Holy Spirit, and I think this gift needs to get restored to the church, that, that he might drop in a heart, a tongue, a spiritual language that God would give you that as you speak it out publicly, that there would be another that would have the gift of interpretation that would translate that spiritual language that they just uh, prayed in or spoke out and that God would use it to for unbelievers. Paul would later say, this isn't even for you, it's for people. So they come in and they're like, whoa, what was that? <laughs> that was weird. And then somebody else gives an interpretation of what was just said and now they're cut to the heart. And they realize, oh my gosh, like the power of God is here. Like God's real. He's moving. He does something. I believe our world, and I, I think this for young people so much, I believe our world is longing to see the power and presence of God at work. They're looking for something real. They're looking for something that matters. They're looking for not just a lot of talk, but, a, but power. And all these, verse 11, all these are the work 
of one and the same spirit and he distributes them to each one as he determines. So this is how it works. In fact, Paul would say that he gives according to your faith. So as you start to believe God wants to give you this gift, he wants to baptize you. Now, all of these gifts, let me tell you something, all these gifts come with the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's the mechanism which God gives you the gift. You know, I was um, watching one of the playoff games the other day. Uh, there's been some amazing football games. Some of you are like, I know, I want to go watch one. And um, I was watching one of the games and there was this cool FedEx commercial that kind of caught my attention. Normally, I don't pay much attention to commercials. Uh, most of them are trash anyway. But, um, but this one commercial caught my attention because he kind of comes out. This guy is walking out with white gloves and he's walking out to fans cheering in the Super Bowl and, and you know, flashes going off of cameras. And he's bringing the Lombardi trophy out. Um, and as he's walking out, it says, we deliver championships. And then it flashes to another scene where this person is, uh, is giving out medicine to people who are sick. And it says, we deliver healing. And then it shows um, another person uh, handing out aid and food to people who are, are hungry and in need and they're, they're hopeless. And it says, we hand out hope. And then it says, we are FedEx. And it shows those people delivering. They're not the ones who are actually handing the championship to somebody. They're not the ones who are actually, you know, giving healing to somebody. They're not the ones that are giving, but they're, they're used as a conduit for this gift that God wants to give people. He wants to give people the gift of, of knowing who their champion is and knowing their salvation comes from God. He wants to give them the gift of healing. He wants to give them the gift of hope. And guess what? He uses average, ordinary, unschooled, untrained people just like you and me who are willing say yes Lord I'll be your delivery boy I'll be used by you I want to be the conduit through which your love and your mercy and your grace comes through so here's a here's a working definition for you a spiritual gift is a supernatural ability that God gives each of his children so that together we can advance his purposes in the world don't you want that? I want that too. That's my dream. That's the dream church that I want to be a part of, that I want to lead. So you have to understand this morning, you might be thinking, well, how, how do I do that? How do I, I'm not gifted. I don't, I don't know enough. Listen, he uses anyone who is willing and connected to the heart of God. So you have to understand something. This isn't just some gift that you could go out and just start using. It takes a number one, a willingness, but number two, you need to be connected to the heart of God for people. That's what these gifts are for. There's power for a purpose. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me, in other words, if you stay connected to me and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. In other words, this will work in your life and it will bring life to everyone and everywhere you go. But apart from me, you can't do any of this. Like this doesn't work if you're disconnected from me. And so for many of you, maybe as we end our service today, this is where it begins. It's like, 
Now, Pastor Lance, like, I, I, don't, I just don't feel close to God. Or maybe I, you used to feel close to God at one point. And maybe even God used you powerfully. But you feel just like this distance between you and God. And I just want to remind us that all of this is because of love. See, Paul, at the end of chapter 12, he would say, now, let me show you the greater gifts. There's a more excellent way. And he goes into, beautifully, into chapter 13, the love chapter. If you guys can put it up, put up those verses, because the greatest gift is the gift of love. And he goes on to say, now eagerly desire the greater gifts, and I'll show you the most excellent way. And for, in chapter 13, he says, if I speak in tongues of men or angels and I don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. If I don't have the gift, if I have the gift of prophecy and I can fathom all the mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. Power for purpose. Let the love of God flow through you. You know, we were in worship earlier. I just really felt strongly that today was resurrection day for some of you. I felt, talk about word, I feel like I'm speaking prophetically right now. I believe that God spoke to me as I was praying for you and praying for the service, that for some of you today was your resurrection day. That God is resurrecting dreams. He's resurrecting life inside of you. And he's empowering you to be the person that he always had in mind when he created you, when he made you, when he gave you the gifts that he gave you, when he gave you your personality. Some of you need to be reminded first that God is just madly in love with you. Thank you for joining us for this week's message at Hope Church. If you enjoyed this message, you can easily support this ministry by going to hopechurchmt.com slash give. Also, follow us on social media at Hope Church MT. Thanks again for watching and have a very blessed week.